This Blitz podcast is brought to you by Bravado Wireless. Available online at bravadowireless.com. Day 20, Rick Corey and Scott File in the Tulsa Oilers Hockey Studio. Not far from One Oak Field where we got the news and you heard Scott talk about the Tulsa Drillers being sold. Mike Malega was with us just over an hour ago, the general manager of the Tulsa Drillers. And when Mike was with us, I asked him, all right, so when you heard this, first of all, I mean, when you hear a sale of a, of a franchise, one of the first things you think is, are you staying? So I asked Mike, you know, I swallowed hard. How did you feel? Tell us about this move. Sure. So, I mean, hey, listen, you know, buying and selling teams is nothing uh, is nothing strange. I mean, the Drillers organization has had about five or six different ownership groups in less than 50 years. So, I mean, every 10 years or so, you're going to see a change. And, uh, and uh, you know, and, and this doesn't change really anything for the fans. I mean, honestly, once we get through this announcement and talk about it for a few weeks, I don't think anybody's going to realize any changes. I and mean, we're not going anywhere. Are you kidding me? You know, anybody that wants to come in and invest in the Tulsa Drillers, is investing in the Tulsa community because Tulsa is such a great city for minor league baseball and minor league sports in general. You know what I mean? We're one of the top five or ten markets in minor league sports, in my opinion. No question. We've been recognized as such. And it's the people. Uh, you know, it's our staff and what we do here that makes One Oak Field a special place. So definitely never a question, uh, you know, about moving. So first, just want to dispel any of those notions that anybody might think, uh, you know, we're going to be here for the long haul. That's Mike Malega. Here for the long haul, the Tulsa Drillers at 821. That's good news. And, Scott, I didn't think that it was going to be a situation where they got moved. They just, as you said, led the league in attendance. What was the attendance? 350? 350 and change. Yeah, yeah. change, yeah. So in anybody, anytime someone says, you know, ah, oh, the Drillers, that's not a big deal. 350,000-plus people would disagree over the course of a season. Do you go down there and find 10,000 every game? Of course not. I mean, it's, there's a lot of games. It's not how it works. It's not how baseball works. I mean, ask them what they had in Tampa last night. 19 for a, for a wild-card playoff if game. If that. 19. Well, that's what, that they, yeah, that's what they announced is 19, which, by the way, can we at some point get to the point where we stop doing announced crowds and doing the people in the damn seats? I mean, I know how many you sold. I don't care how many you sold. Mm-hmm. I under, that's how you get financed. I get it. But let's let's and if you're going to announce sold, then also announce actual. Right? I mean, yeah. that's fair. Yeah, because with 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 digital ticketing now, it's so easy to yes. to know exact count of of how many fans are actually in the building. Yeah, this is not hard, my friends. This is not hard. And I know what you're. I know what everyone's doing. I get it. You don't want someone to look at that uh, that attendance record or have, or read that story or hear us talk about it and say, well, only this many people came out there. You want to believe. I mean, you know, if you, you only had 19,000 sold in Tampa. That's what you're announcing, right? But I, I would love to see across the board. I don't care who you are. I don't care what level that you, if you're going to announce paid, you also announce actual. Some places do. Some do. Not very many. And you will also see and hear. People like us or people like writers say, here's what we really think was there. I'd like to see that. Now, the drillers at 350,000 plus, as you said, that's how many people were actually at a game. And that's that's impressive. So they're not going anywhere. The park's too nice. The area's too nice. Everything that's built up around it has led to more opportunities. I do think, and he said during the interview, and this was key, he said he thinks that they will now use that facility for more for more things, and I think that's really just smart. Considering where it is, considering what's popped up around it, considering what else the city is going to be doing with the old Fin 2 building and other things that are not that far away. I mean, you think you might think BMX is a long way from One Oak. It's, what, two blocks? I mean, as the crow flies? Yeah. If I, if I leave here and drive straight down... Brr. 
Yeah, if you could if you could walk a straight shot, it'd be two minutes. Yeah, I mean it's it's literally right there, and everything that happens there is going to help that park too. But I do think it's been something that you could use for other options in the off season. Now, part of the off season's winter, and it's an outdoor venue. I get that, which is why Scott smiles because he wants that outdoor hockey game there, <laughs> and that makes some sense. But I could see other concerts. Well, and yeah, and they've done watch parties there. Yeah. I mean, we they did OU Texas there a couple of years ago. Yep. They they when the uh, Dodgers were in the World Series in twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. They had watch parties, so they've they've utilized it before. They've had concerts there, yep. both classical and you know Jack White was there a couple of years ago. And I'd like to see more concerts come there. I know we have so many music venues in this town, and it's kind of hard with so many, but. I think it'd be cool to see more concerts there. You know, and they actually, a couple of years ago when they did the um, um, the classical one, mm-hmm. they asked me to come out and be their announcer. Uh, I was on the road with TU at that point, and I couldn't do it, but it sounded like fun. I'd have done it in a heartbeat if I'd have been in town. I, I would have been there, there, just there, I guess, in-between guy. And that would have been a lot of fun. I'd like to see more of those things. Now, if you're the groundskeeper, <laughs> you're probably not as excited about yeah, it. Yeah, Gary Shepard's not too thrilled. But. Yeah, but who knows? I, I still think it's a really good idea. Well, I mentioned other baseball, and you threw it in there, too. Texas beat Tampa 4 nothing in front of nobody. Uh, four Tampa errors in that one, too. They did throw the the throwbacks, though, which I thought were cool. Yeah, they wore the uh, the, the Devil Rays from mm-hmm. 25 years ago. Yep, yep. And maybe that them because they played like the devil the race of 25 years, years ago. ago yeah they did i mean that was uncharacteristic <laughs> of them uh, yeah the four errors were now jordan montgomery was really good he went seven innings he, he sat down 14 to the last 16 he faced so he had a really good night twins beat toronto a three to one as scott mentioned earlier that breaks an 18 game losing streak for the twins in the playoffs and that's that's nice for them royce lewis got a couple of home runs there diamondbacks we're down 3 nothing to the Brewers. You're thinking, hey, all right, Milwaukee's rolling. Nah, three home runs. They overcome. They win 6-2, 6-3 to the Diamondbacks. And then the Phillies beat Miami, and I don't think any of us are surprised. Phillies are probably going to rough that series up. So we've got games today. I believe it's 208, 430, 608, and 708. Isn't that right? Yeah, it's all all yeah. the same times. And what's, what's great is, um, you know, when you think playoff season – Playoff baseball in the past, you think of these four, five-hour marathon games. Not anymore. The entire schedule was done before 10 o'clock last mm-hmm. night. All four games were in the books. You know, we can say that it's only affecting, and I saw two major league games. I was lucky enough to be at two major league games this year. Uh, I was saw the Dodgers and the, the Rangers down right before American Athletic Conference Media Day and then saw the Angels and the A's when we were in California. The longest of those games was, I think, 247. It was the longest of those two games, and I think the one, I think the Rangers game was more like 228, something along those lines. I'm telling you, I love baseball, love going. Being done in 242 under or or under is brilliant. I, I just love it. I I think everybody else likes it too. And you're right, it has certainly shaved minutes off. And if you're if you shave off 20 minutes off four games, look what you saved at the end of the day. And you're not shaving off. Because one thing I I love about baseball is there is no clock. Like, you have to play to the end of the game. But when you're shaving time off this game, it's not like you're shaving time off playing time. You're right. you're shaving off the wasted minutes of guys standing around, adjusting batting gloves. Like, <laughs> you're just you're shaving off the filler time. So you're not really losing any game action. 
Yeah, I'm I'm all for it. I just think it's absolutely fabulous. 828 on the Blitz 1170. He's Scott File. I'm Rick Corey. We'll have a little Arkansas talk in a minute with Jacob Seuss from 5 News Fayetteville. He's our Arkansas insider. Talk about hot seats. I mean, it's it's a little early in the season to talk hot seats, although <clears throat> you certainly are going to see him start to get warmed up. You know, and here's an interesting thing I saw just this last week. So Missouri is a surprise 5 and 0. And at the end of last year, middle middle to end of last year, Eli Drinkwitz was being talked about as a dead man mm-hmm. in Missouri. Pretty much his carcass was being hung to dry, and they were going to move on. Now, I guess it was Monday, Eli Drinkwitz to Arkansas. <laughs> now, I, I don't think Sam Pittman is in, a, is in a position of trouble after this year. I do think if they don't improve during the year, that there's probably pretty serious conversations and that things would have to change next year. Because this Arkansas team, playing in a very difficult league, we understand that, has not, at least in my opinion, lived up completely to what they would like themselves to live no, up to. No, there was a you know, there's a lot of hype, a lot of build up, yep. a lot of excitement. KJ Jefferson was like a Heisman trophy candidate. Yeah, Rockets in. back and yeah, all that. And it just hasn't worked out. Now, we have to be really honest. They lost two really good off they lost really good offensive linemen, a couple to the NFL. So they had they lost some things there, but they've also given up points in bad times too. It just hasn't been what I think everybody wanted it to be. We'll talk to Jacob about that in just a moment. It is eight twenty nine on the Blitz eleven seventy. I'm Rick Corey. He is Scott File. We are in the uh, the Tulsa Oilers hockey studio. I almost said Ike's Chili House studio, which we were for a year. I got a well, I got a text from Lynn this morning. We talked about best food cities in America according to Wallet Hub, and they went through this large grouping and somehow picked Orlando. But they did pick Tulsa 60th in front of Oklahoma City at 76. And Lynn just said, yeah, they don't have Ikes. <laughs> yeah. Tulsa Oilers Hockey Studio. When we come back, we'll talk a little Arkansas football. If you have a question for Jacob, 918-262-5072. That's our number here at the Blitz. Absolutely. Here the Cowboys take on New England. Pardon me, San Francisco. New England. San Francisco, that one's tonight. Come on, Rick. Sunday night, 6 o'clock. <laughs> Dallas and Where San are Francisco. We? When is I it? know, I know. Who am I? Dallas, San Francisco, six o'clock Sunday night, right here. That's the pregame on the Blitz eleven seventy. My sorry, my mind's going in about a thousand different directions. If I were to pull back the curtain completely, I would uh, be honest that tonight my daughter starts chemo for the second time, and uh, unfortunately, occasionally those those thoughts sneak in as to what you're doing, and uh, it, it kind of sidetracked me there. My problem. All right, eight thirty seven here on the Blitz eleven seventy. Let's jump back into some football here with a guy who knows a little bit about what's happening in Arkansas. That is Jacob Seuss, our 5 News Fayetteville insider. And I guess the little bit about what's happening is, I'll just say this, my Aggies played well, your Razorbacks didn't in the second half. What in the world is happening? Well, Rick, I'm going to start off by saying, you know, I'm thinking about you and your daughter, your your family will certainly, certainly be, in my, be in my prayers tonight. But, um, yeah, Arkansas, not a... Uh, not a good showing once again. You know, you you went into Arlington in a borderline must-win situation coming off a close game with, with LSU two weeks ago. You you thought this, this team would maybe play with a bit more confidence, a bit more momentum after taking the Tigers down to the wire in Baton Rouge, but it really was the, the complete opposite. But, you know, it's – you know, you know what you have at this point. You know, it's now been three weeks in a row the – the BYU loss, the LSU loss, the A&M loss, you know, it's, 
it's all it's all the same things. You know, it's it hasn't improved really at all. But it starts with it ends with the offensive line, which was just a, abysmal again on Saturday. You know, I, I think everyone on the on the Texas A and M defensive line got a sack. They were handing them out like <laughs> on Saturday. You know, the the offensive line really was. Really was bad. KJ Jefferson, you know, you, once you got to the fourth quarter, you felt bad for the guy. Every time he dropped back, he was he was eating that turf at, at Jerry World. So you know, it's hard to hard to do anything on offense. You know, when uh, when you have two seconds in the in the pocket to to do anything. So you know, that's at the that's at the base of this team's problems. But you know, it goes it goes a lot deeper than that. You know, Arkansas is now. Two and three, zero oh and two in SEC play. You know this certainly isn't a spot anyone thought they'd they'd be in during uh, during that that long month of, of fall camp. No, you know early on though they were effective. I saw a stat that you know against that into that first quarter from that first quarter on KJ Jefferson had passed for I think seven yards in a quarter and a half, and part of that was the pressure. There's no question. Is that an adjustment by A and M? Was that Arkansas hitting a dry spell? Why did it suddenly just kind of fall apart? You know, Arkansas, once they saw the offensive line wasn't wasn't getting the job done, of course, you know, A&M adjusted themselves, and, you know, they were sending guys left and right as they absolutely should have been. But Arkansas, you know, they were trying to mix it up a little bit. They were running the ball more. They were doing, you know, trying to throw more bubble screens, trying to see if they could – operate on some some quick plays and you know before before the line could get to KJ and you know it, it it really didn't work you know with with KJ Jefferson and the crop of wide receivers Arkansas has you know the more time he has in the pocket you know the more successful they're going to be I mean you could say that about any any quarterback and and their wide receivers but you know you look at the wide receiver stats, they did nothing on Saturday because they didn't they didn't have a chance to to get open and you know that's really been the been the case for for the last couple of weeks too. A lot of a lot of those guys in the the newly revamped wide receiver core have have gone quiet for this team. And you know now looking ahead to Oxford this weekend, you know you know Ole Miss is going to score points, and the only way you're going to stay in that game is if you if you mirror them back and forth, which has been the case for so many Arkansas Ole Miss games over the last couple of years. But I don't know if Arkansas is capable of of hanging around with them offensively this time, and, and that could make for, for another long ball game. We're talking to Jacob Seuss, 5 News Arkansas. He is our insider, and we talk about Razorbacks football. We'll get into a little bit more of their scheduling because I've got a question in a moment. First of all, Scott? Yeah, not only did the Razorbacks lose the game, they also got another piece of bad news. Luke Haas, mm-hmm. broken clavicle, probably done for the season. He was growing into a real offensive threat for the Razorbacks. How big of a loss is is them is this for them going forward? You know, you could you could argue he had been the biggest offensive threat over over the last couple of weeks. Him and KJ had really really found a, a great chemistry, and you could see the the dynamic of the offense changed. You know, he went out on on the very first series of the game. Of course, made a made a long catch, got got hit pretty hard and and that was it you know I think everyone was hoping you know maybe it was a a separated shoulder you know something something a little a little better than a than a broken clavicle so that's a that's a ginormous hit you know he's been the most consistent guy you know Arkansas has had a couple receivers who have who have had big games big catches here and there but 
you know, he's consistently gotten better each and each and every week. And now I'm not sure where Arkansas goes tight end wise. You know, they have a lot of tight end depth, but no one who has stepped up remotely so far this season. So they actually this week at practice were trying third string running back Dominique Johnson at, at tight end. You know, he's a little bit of a a bigger guy. He can he good hands can catch the ball. So I maybe they'll they'll unveil that on Saturday. So that's a that's a huge, huge blow for Arkansas. And, you know, Luke, he was just a little bit past his redshirt point, which also really stinks. You know, when you have a, a an injury like that, you know, maybe you could look on the bright side and get an extra, extra year out of it, but, but that's gone for him as well. So tough, tough blow. Um, now you just, you, you look forward to, to him getting healthy and, you know, you saw that potential and, get you excited for for what the next three years will look like for him jacob who in the world allowed this schedule i mean literally you 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 had byu at home and then you you go you know you got to go to arkansas or pardon me go to lsu you have to travel to play you know a&m then you you go to mississippi then you go to alabama then yeah you get mississippi state and you get florida at your place but then you go to florida who in the world put this thing together to keep the hogs on the road this long? Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. Um, you know, the, the A&M game certainly doesn't help that, that it was in Arlington. You know, yep. that's a bit of a break. Since this was Arkansas's allotted year at home, you know, we're entering, you know, we just finished week five of the college football season. Arkansas has already had two home games this year that, weren't played in, in Fayetteville, the, the Little Rock game in, in Arlington. But, yeah, it's it's brutal. It's, you know, I'm, I'd be hard-pressed for anyone to find a harder four-game stretch on any college football schedule this year. The funny thing is, though, you look at it, you know, we, we, we've been talking about that schedule, that stretch for a while. It's easier, I don't want to, easier for, for lack of a better term, easier than it originally looked, you know, because – LSU was supposed to be one of the top, you know, 10 team in the country. They're certainly a, a great team, but, you know, I wouldn't call them a top 10 team in the, in the country. You know, A&M's a good team, but, you know, certainly a game that if Arkansas had played better could have, could have hung with. And, you know, Ole Miss has had its moments this year and Alabama has had its moments this year, but I wouldn't say either of those teams are, you know, world beaters as well. But, you know, coming into the season, you looked at that schedule and you said, you know, maybe, you know, two of those teams at least could be competing for a national championship at the at the end of the year, and they're, they're not going to be. So, you know, they, it actually wound up being, a, a you know, a bit of a, again, easier stretch than, than you thought. But I think, you know, at this point, it's very realistic that Arkansas, you know, comes comes home from that stretch 0-4, you know, they're going to, they're going to, come home a month later with the same amount of wins as they had when they yeah. when they departed for this for this road trip you know and for that for that BYU game under the lights a couple of weeks ago you know the fan base was excited it was a sold out crowd you know if they come home against Mississippi State on October 21st sitting 2 and 5 you know 0 and 4 in SEC play you know it's it's going to be a pretty uh pretty depressed, half-filled Razorback Stadium. It would be fairly ugly. Uh, tell me about this proposed, or did it really happen, email exchange with Dan Enos and a student after the A&M game. I, I'd seen something saying, well, maybe it was real, maybe it wasn't real. I know that the university kind of refused to answer it. What do you know? 
I I'm gonna say it's it's not real is what is what I is my my theory. You know, Danny knows is uh you know, he's he's a very quiet guy when it comes to, to that type of stuff. You know, he has social media but he doesn't he doesn't really use it. He's quick to uh to throw the uh the block up on on social media. So him responding to a student would would highly <laughs> surprise me um but it's, it's it's fun to believe it could be real you know if he's, <laughs> if he's responding responding to someone i mean if you watch the game on saturday he could be using all the suggestions uh that he gets if i see them operate a, a fourth and one play one more time with kj jefferson and the shotgun you know i think everyone's pretty 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 sick of that dan you know is uh certainly under fire right now so Maybe he, you know, should be reading those those student emails. You know, yeah. start start draw, drawing up some new plays. Especially a fourth down on your side of the of the. I mean, that fourth down call shocked me on right. your side of the field. Holy, yeah, right. That's, I know, right. And then there's a timeout, and then you're still going to run the same thing. I I thought when they called the timeout, all right, he's going to kick it, which made sense right, right there. And then they and then they don't. Is that desperation on Sam Pittman's part? Hundred percent. Hundred percent, and you know, at that point, it was a fairly even game. Yes. You know, A and M. The only difference was A and M had you know put put some touchdowns on the board where Arkansas had stalled in the red zone a couple times. Besides that, you know, it was a fairly even back and forth, and that that changed the the entire game. You know, you get the touchdown before halftime. A and M got the ball coming out of the out of the break, yeah, that was that was 100% desperation, and you know, there's there's times to be desperate, and and times where there's not, and Sam Pittman does not go for it on fourth down. That is one of his, you know, that's one of his coaching philosophies, and we've seen it twice now in the last two three weeks that you know he's going for fourth and down, fourth and one, fourth and inches in his own territory. So yeah, he's. He's feeling the, the the heat for sure. Obviously, his job isn't in jeopardy, but if things really go south, could we see some assistant coaching changes in the off season? You know, it's it's hard it's hard to say no to that question. But so many guys are new right now. You know, the Dan Enos, Travis Williams, the defensive coordinator. You know, all these guys are new. One one place that you you do look, you know, Cody Kennedy, the offensive line coach. You know what's what's going on over there but you know you have to look at Sam himself because he's an offensive line coach by nature so you know why why isn't this working but you know at, at some point it's not the it's not the coaching maybe it's it's you know it's it's the guys who are who are doing it you know you could coach them so much about so many things but you know if they're if they're just not SEC level offensive linemen you know I don't know how much that coaching really is going to help because this is the first time during Pittman's tenure that he's had any sort of offensive line problems. You know, normally you don't even notice the Arkansas offensive linemen because because they're playing so well. So, yeah, I think, you know, if it's another really, you know, disappointing ending for Arkansas, which, you know, everything is pointing in that direction, I think you have to really take a, take a look at the whole program after the season and, you know, say – why, what, what, what are we doing? Why, why isn't this working? We recruited heavily in the off season. We have some, some big time recruits that, that we brought in. What, what, what's the, what is the issue now with, you know, two more 
extremely talented teams set to join the SEC this year and potentially push us even closer to the bottom. Yeah, right about now, if I'm the SEC, I'm looking at Oklahoma, Texas, thinking, yeah, I'm glad they're coming, but uh... – Maybe not quite as much. Well, I, it's uh, gonna be. It's always fun to go to Oxford. You know, you can always make a run through the Grove. You know, get yourself a hot toddy. Uh, you know, because that's always. I don't, I don't know. If, I don't know if Arkansas agrees. I don't. I don't think. <laughs> well, let's just say it's fun for the rest of us. We'll see how it turns yeah. out for everybody else. And you know what? You can always you can always expect Lane Kiffin to throw up at least one goose egg. So I would not be surprised if this were the one. Jacob, have a good week, and we'll hopefully talk about better things next week. All right, see you guys. Yeah, hopefully no uh, no four-game losing streak next Wednesday. Oof. But uh, not feeling super optimistic about that. I understand that. Jacob Seuss, 5 News Fayetteville. He's our Arkansas insider. 58 on the Blitz 1170. Scott File and Rick Corey here in the Tulsa Oilers Hockey Studio. We gave those tickets away to see the Thunder take on the Detroit Pistons. Scott, who was our winner of those said tickets? Frankie from Claremore. He's going to go watch the Thunder Pistons coming up later this month. Way to go. And it's nice to see some of the Thunder players getting some recognition. Not a surprise by Shea and Chet making the list. I'm just really fascinated to see how Chet plays once he mixes in with this group. Should be a lot of fun. All right, reminder, we have ways for you to go out to see Pumpkin Town Farms. If you'd like to do that, you can. They are open now at 61st and Garnett. Great place for the family. Wonderful Halloween and fall festival kind of stuff going on out there, including the Big Maze. All you have to do is go to theblitztulsa.com. Go to theblitztulsa.com right now. You can sign up for a chance to win a four-pack of tickets. Well, thanks to the folks who were with us today. Josh Blankenship from Broken Arrow. Mike Malegi over the Drillers saying, yes, the Drillers are safe. Wyatt Thompson, the Kansas State play-by-play voice who expects a good win in Stillwater. And Jacob Seuss, our 5 News Arkansas Insider. That's today. Tomorrow, we're going to talk a little bit of Oklahoma with our OU insider, Ryan Aber. He'll be with us as he normally is on Thursdays. We'll get into OU Texas. Kirk Frederick, head football coach at Union, and Travis Hill, head football coach at Muskogee, plus your text at 918-262-502. Remember, we've got more playoff baseball tonight, and we aren't that far from getting that stuff all in the books and moving on from there. More tomorrow right here on the Blitz 1170, including some more from Brent Venables, including why did he cut down media interviews from 12 players or so a few weeks ago to now just four before Texas. You probably already know the answer, but we'll get it from Brent tomorrow right here on the Blitz 1170. Until then, Dan Patrick comes up next. Remember to listen for the show with Pop and Colby at 3 o'clock this afternoon here on the Blitz. Thank you for listening to this exclusive Blitz 1170 podcast from Bravado Wireless.